Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Livek Pone, joined with Ashley Titchens, who's remote because she is home for Thanksgiving. So I'm holding down the fort here in Austin. I was just telling Ashley, it feels so weird not having my girl right next to me. But Ashley, how are you doing? How does it feel to be back in North Carolina? I'm doing good. Now, yes, I'm from North Carolina. So back in good old Raleigh, enjoying being home with family, taking it slow. But I, I mean, shoot, it does feel weird doing the podcast, like not in studio. Like you said, I'm sure you feel lonely. I feel weird sitting here um, in our spare room here, just hanging out. When do you get back? Are you back over the weekend? Like what, uh, next actually, week, Monday? No, I'm gonna have to do another remote podcast next Monday. Wow. Okay. I come back Monday evening. So you're gonna have to deal with this for another week. For one more time. Yeah. Another week. Okay, at least it's just temporary. But I don't yes. know about you, but I feel like I'm still recovering from the weekend. It was full of excitement. So to kind of go over what to expect for the show, we have a very special guest who led Oklahoma State program to a team title over the weekend at the NCAA championships. We're gonna recap the women's and the men's race. We got some end of the year awards to hand, hand out, so it's going to be an exciting show. But before we introduce our guest, we got to thank our sponsors at Wonderful Pistachios. Are you guys looking for a delicious and nutritious snack that's packed with a real protein punch? Crack into a good source of protein with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving of Wonderful Pistachios contains six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein that's out there. But you guys, that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and their better for you unsaturated fats, which may help you keep feeling fuller longer. And guess what the best part about this is? You guys can get this in a variety of flavors and sizes. I just discovered the honey roasted ones over the weekend. Those I think are my favorites. So whether you're dropping the kiddos off and now we're getting into the indoor season, you're getting ready for the next season of track and field, make sure you grab a bag of wonderful pistachios. It will become your go-to snack. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. But enough talking from me. Ashley, who is our special guest today? Yes, I know you and you know Olivia, we're both really excited to have our guest here today. And we are joined by Dave Smith, who is the Oklahoma State, you know, distance cross country coach and you know with the track team over there. And let's just say that Oklahoma State had a pretty big weekend, especially on the men's side. They were able to go into the NCAA cross country championships in Charlottesville and take down the defending champions of NAU and you know, Dave Smith, he's built a powerhouse program at Oklahoma State. He's been coaching the Cowboys since 2006, I believe, and it's been awarded numerous National Coach of the Year awards. So we're really excited to have you. Again, thanks for joining us, Coach. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, I have to ask, you know, this weekend was obviously super exciting. Sure, it was hectic, too. You know, now that a few days have passed, what are those emotions like for you and for the Oklahoma State program as you have made it safely back to Stillwater and then traveling for Thanksgiving as well? Well, partially it's relief, to be honest. Um, this has been coming for a while. Um, you know, we had, we had a really good run from about 2007 to 2013 where we were winning or being top two or three almost every single year. And um, then we went through a little a downslide where we just struggled for a while. And um, about 2017 or 18, I kind of realized we were on, on the wrong, going the wrong direction and changed some things in some recruiting and kind of the way we were approaching things. And um, 
uh, one of my first recruits was Alex Mayer in that new era. And uh, I remember telling him he was, a, he, was a, he was a high level recruit. And I remember, remember telling him, hey, come to Oklahoma State. We can get back to winning. We can win a national title, bring it back to uh, Stillwater. It's been a while, but I think if you come, we can get this done. And here we are in his final year and we won one. And it just, it's just a real, uh, you know, satisfying, gratifying, whatever. I just, just so happy to get it done while Alex is on the team. Coach, I'm happy you mentioned Alex Mayer because we're huge fans of him and he's been a part of your program over the last four years and he's honestly been a solid guy. So how has he just been a leader for your program over the last several years? Yeah, Alex is a, um, he's a leader by example. He is not very verbal, but he um, is an incredible, uh, like I said, leader by example, just does everything right. He's methodical. He's a craftsman. He is um, very tuned in to every detail. He doesn't leave anything to chance. And I think his attitude, his approach, his um, professionalism, the way he does things uh, has changed the way that the, the, the culture and the um, kind of um, the approach of our entire program. I think many guys now emulate him. I think his effect on our program will go beyond um, his time here. Um, and, you know, I was just on another call with him and he was saying that he learned the same thing from Ryan Smeaton, one of our, one of our future our pre, uh, previous athletes who um, kind of did the same thing for him, showed him how to be, um, you know, a focused, disciplined kind of professional in his approach. And um, Alex credits Ryan and Ryan would probably credit someone before him. But anyway, I think in this group, Alex Mayer has been the one that's made a, had a huge impact on our, on our entire team. Well, shifting back for a minute just to, you know, the race and the build up to the race, you know, I know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of that team mentality and that culture carried into, you know, your plan going into NCAAs. And I'm curious, you know, what, what exactly did you tell those guys in terms of race strategy going into this meet, you know, assuming, you know, as we saw on Saturday, pack running was certainly, you know, I'm sure was in the talks as well. I mean, you guys put five in the top 15. So what were you telling your guys going into that race on Saturday? Well, you know, my um, natural inclination and the way I like to run is I like to be even paced, which means you're often buried at the start of a, especially a national championship and you have to come on late. And if you watched last year's championship in Stillwater, you know, I think we were, I don't know, we we're way back 10th, 11th, 12th place early and probably 200, 250 points behind NAU. And then slowly, methodically throughout the race, every thousand meters, we were gaining 30 or 40 points to the point where we got to 9K and we were just a couple points ahead. And then it came down to, you know, great finishes from both teams. We end up tied. And um, I think this year we kind of changed our attitude. We, we knew um, what NEU is really good at or has been good at over the last eight, nine years is um, being aggressive and forcing other teams into really uncomfortable situations and, and into making very difficult decisions very early in the race. And I think a lot of people kind of wilt under that pressure. And they, they a lot of teams, and ours included in the past, and this year we talked about, you know, knowing it's coming, being ready for it, and kind of matching their intensity and their aggressiveness by coming back at them the same way. And one of the guys on our team made a comment at some point that said, hey, no one crumbles under pressure if they're not put under pressure. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about, on this day, on this national championships, being aggressive, um, kind of responding to their, uh, their intensity with equal intensity, and kind of sticking ourselves in it. And um, even at... You know, this year, I think at two or three K, the, the scoring broke down, so we couldn't see it. Um, but my wife was calling me every thousand meters, telling me the live updates. And when she told me we were at 149 at three K and in third place, or maybe it was two K, 
I was like, wow, that's that's a low score for us this early. And either this is going to work out really, really well or it's going to be really, really bad because um, we are definitely being more aggressive than we normally are. And I think we were tied by 4K, which, again, I, that gave me the, the shudders for sure. I think I have a little PTSD from last year's tie. So when my wife saw you're tied to the NAU, I was like, no, not the tie. Um, but then from that point forward, we, we kind of opened up a little gap that then from, from 4 to 5K, we opened up about a 20, 25-point lead that stayed consistent the rest of the race. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. I know during the press conference, uh, you um, and uh, the other coach, Smith, you guys were going back and forth about 75 points, but we're getting 74. And of course, on social media, on social media, people were talking about how they thought this was going to be a very low scoring competition. You guys earned the title with 49 points. Did that come as a surprise to you? Just knowing that you were kind of thinking yeah. 74, 75 is the range I think we're going to hit, but your, your team put out 49 on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think the difference between what I expected and what happened comes down to one guy, Victor mm -hmm. Shisama. Victor, this is his fourth national championships. He's been 28th, 34th, and 32nd, or 31st. So that's where he is. And then this year, he had struggled late in the season. He was 45th at our conference meet and did not look good. And we had a little time trial the week of pre-nationals, a little thing we did, an inter-squad meet, and he did not look good there. And so, um, in fact... When I talked about not knowing who I was going to run the night before, Victor is one of the guys I wasn't sure I was going to run. At the end of the day, I thought, how can I not run a guy who's been basically 30 or three times? I got to run him. But I was assuming he'd get 30th place and score about 25 points. And if you add that, you know, 15, 16 points onto our score, all of a sudden we're back up near 70, which is kind of where I thought we'd be if he was at 30. So I think I was, I was surprised by how low our score was. But when I look back at the results, most of that came – in my surprise over Victor Shisama's performance. Now looking, you know, reflecting on your season as a whole, you know, from you know, the summer up until now, you know, this team has competed at the Cowboy Jamboree, Big 12s, the, the Midwest Regionals as well. You know, if you're looking at some other teams, and I think you've said this too, like, you know, definitely a lighter racing schedule. And I'm just curious about, you know, a little bit more on your insight on, you know, what, what was that approach and, you know, the, the mentality behind that approach? And do you feel like, you know, having them compete as a full, like, you know, full squad competing less was, you know, did, did better for y'all this season? Yeah, I think for me, it's not necessarily about full squad or not full squad. It's just, I think that probably in the NCAA as a distance runner, you race too many races throughout your year season career. And I've always felt like less is more. I'm not one of these guys that believes you have to run a race to be ready to run a race. I think you can have your best day of the year on the first race of the year. And so that's never bothered me. Um, I, I would much rather err on the side of too few races than too many. I think the other thing that a lot of people underestimate is that um, when you get on a plane and travel across the country and get amped up and excited and you're going to go run in some big mega race with you know 25 other the top 30 teams, it's, um, it's fun and it's exciting, but it's very emotionally exhausting. And there's a, there's a, there's a one to be a one week to 10 day period. You, you come down off that almost like a, it's like a uh, competition hangover where you are not yourself, at least from my experience. And so we try to avoid those types of situations during the year, regular season, because I think um, each time you kind of dip into that well, you take a little more water out and it doesn't have time to refill. And so yeah, we probably race less than, than most of our competitors, 
Um, that works for us. I think other teams race more and it seems to work for them. But I think each coach in each program has to do what that coach in that program believes will work for them. And this is what we believe in and it works for us. Awesome. I, I was really curious about that too. And it almost, because I used to compete at the professional level and, and it's kind of similar to how you attack it with your, your program, like, like your training and your putting the best races out that works best for your team, which I think is great. I kind of want to switch gears. I want to give some love to your women's team because they also had a very strong finish, finishing amongst the nation's best. They were third to NC State and NAU. What do you think was the key building uh, part to having this powerhouse just being consistent on both the men's and the women's side and is something that this isn't common at the NCAA level to have two solid programs on both sides? Yeah, I think, excuse me, both teams kind of feed off each other a little bit, but the women's team, you know, we went through a lot of adversity as a team. I think we lost, you know, one of our top recruits, Natalie Cook, last year transferred, went to the portal. Um, and then one of our top returners, Gabby Henteman, got injured, couldn't run. Um, another one of our top returners, our girl who went fifth for us at Nationals last year, got an illness and I held her back. She wasn't ready to go at the end of the year. One of our New freshman who was who was running really well early in the year got hurt, missed the end of the season. Molly Bourne got season out of take three weeks off from the end of September till the middle of October. Um, so I think maybe that lowered our expectations just a little bit, and I think probably took some pressure off of us. And we went into that race just running free and um, really top tender. And honestly, I didn't see us as a contender. And um, Maybe that was a good thing. Uh, I think the women, um, Taylor Rowe did not have her best day, but the rest of them ran incredibly well. And I just mentioned Molly Bourne. Molly Bourne has, um, again, very similar in, in my story in that, you know, she's someone who's been here forever. She's done great things. She's, she cannot stay healthy. No matter what we try, um, she's struggled with injury. In fact, this year, we had pre-planned a week off from September 23rd to September 30th. Um, at the start of the season, we said, we're going to get to that week and we're going to take that week totally off. And we did that. And in the middle of the week, her foot started hurting and she had a stress reaction, oh. <laughs> even though she had taken the week off. I think we waited one week too long. And so she had to take some time off, more time off. But she battled back and just never gave up and finished 21st, which is second best finish ever. Um, kind of our, maybe our emotional leader this year did a fantastic job. And Honestly, Gabby Galvadita, a flat 800 meter runner, and came to LSU as a 400 hurdler and now was just 48th at Nationals and Cross. I think if I would have told her that when I was recruiting her, she wouldn't be here. <laughs> she would have said, there's not a chance of coming there. I'm a hurdler. I'm not going to run the 800 or the cross country or anything like that. And here she is. I mean, she's just been incredible. Now, switching back to the men's team for a minute in that championship squad, you know, if you look at the team as a whole, you know, obviously you have veterans like Alex Mayer, but overall you have a pretty young squad there. I mean, you have some star freshmen and Dennis and Brian and plenty of other underclassmen within that top seven that you raced on Saturday. So I think, you know, obviously with the, the bar set so high already for these guys, I mean, they just won a national title for these young guys. You know, what do you think now that upward trajectory looks like for the squad over the next few years, you know, especially as they gain more experience? Well, I think we're now going to have to deal with what NAU has handled so well over the last eight years. And that is knowing that you can't, you can no longer exceed expectations. You can no longer exceed your last year's performance. Now all you can do is mess it up. And going and, and winning a title and defending one. And defending it is a, 
is really, really hard. And I think that's what's been so impressive to me about Mike Smith and, and that crew at NEU is how well they've defended and come back year after year, reloaded new teams. You know, the, the teams that won last, the guys that won last year's title, none of them won their first title. So, um, that's been really impressive. Now we are going to have to try to figure that out. Um, it looks on paper like we're really good, but races on paper. You know, these are young people with emotions and personalities and, and lives, and they've got to figure out how to now deal with the fact that they will probably enter the season as favorites and overcome that and, and back it up. I think we got away with one this year. Um, I ended the year thinking I wanted redshirt Ryan Shoppy, who is 741, 1337, you know, 355. And I want to redshirt him because we, we'd kind of blown through his eligibility and um, – I kept looking for the day when Alex Mayer would be gone and thinking, what am I going to do? And so um, we redshirted Ryan Shoppy, and at the last minute, I almost put him in and, and yanked that redshirt. Now I'm, we got him for two more years. I think he's a guy like Alex Mayer that can kind of step in with Will Muirhead, Jonas Price, Victor Shisama, some of the guys who have been around our program for four or five years, and they can lead us kind of um, as we try to defend this title. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us for our episode today. It was such a pleasure seeing you. And, of course, congratulations on winning the NCAA title on the men's side and third place finish on the women's. We're wishing you all the best and enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Happy Coach. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. All right, Ashley, it was so good to see Coach Dave Smith again. Just there's been a lot of great things happening at OK State. I'm super excited for them and how they've been performing. We're going to switch gears, not really, but stay in the same wheelhouse. Again, there's so much to unpack from the NCAA championships. I think we need to talk about the women's race and really break that down. Let's start individually. And before we even do that, I just want to say I got three out of the four correct in regards to I'm the so individual bad. winners. I'm so upset. <laughs> I thought I felt really confident in my picks, I'll be honest. I felt very confident. Obviously, I was a little too confident. Um, it's okay. But see, that's what happens at the NCAA championships. You never know what will happen. So I guessed the women's However, individual will, race. The women's I will say, race. The, the men's individual, it came down to your your number one versus my 1B pick. I know. So it's kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> Ashley versus Liv, who's going to win? It was nuts. Absolutely nuts. But we had a great time. Let's start with the individual race on the women's side. It was mind-blowing. And what's crazy is I just remember sitting in the airport on the way back here to Austin, and Corey asked me, because I was traveling with Corey, and he asked me, he's like, how did... Parker Valby approached last year's NCAA, and I literally pulled it up. She ran it the exact same way. First 1K in the mix, kind of doing her thing. Then that's when she made her move and started separating herself from the rest of the pack. But Ashley, what, what was kind of going through your mind? Because you were out there actually running everywhere on the course. I was kind of like at the at the, the, the curve where the start line was so I can go directly into the media tent, but you were kind of able to see it from your point of view. What was happening out there? And what did yeah. you think of Parker and her big win here? Yeah, I, it was honestly like pretty cool to just watch unfold and just see every stage of the race and just, I, I guess I'll explain what I observed at different points of the course. Yeah. So, you know, I started off like 
um, up on the hill where they go up, like when they first start. And so that's about like 300, 400 meters in. And of course they're all packed together. So they do a little loop around, then they come back through kind of their, that area for the mile marker. So I'm, you know, I'm you know, waiting a couple minutes thinking the next time I see them, like they're all be still bunched together. All of a sudden I see the gator come by and who comes around the corner up in the lead, Parker Valley. She's already trying to put um, she probably had a good already like 30 meters on, you know, the chase pack, which included, you know, the Alabama girls, Caitlin Tui, um, Olivia Markovich, like all those people. And I'm thinking, well, this is exactly what we thought, right? We thought Parker Valby would get out like that. That's been her race strategy every single race. Mm-hmm. Why would she deviate from that? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, as then the race goes on, find my next spot. I think I was around like the 3K mark or something like that. And so I didn't see them running for a bit. So I was trying to get set up, get my camera set up. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Gator and Parker Valby. And then seconds go by and there's just no one else coming. And I'm like, she's not going to get caught. And I mean, this was halfway through the race. And I think she had built like nearly a 25 second lead. And at that point, I was like, it's over. She's going to win this. And sure enough, that's what she did. And if you look at what she did, you know, even for each K, right? Last year, she kind of, you know, toward the end, obviously, Caitlin Tui just had that monster finish and out kicked her there. And, you know, she kind of slowed down. I think that that early, you know, taking the the brunt of the work there at the beginning and still water maybe hurt her a little bit. But this year, she was just consistent. You know, she if you look at her splits, she was splitting obviously a very fast first K, but she was staying right around in that 310 range for every K, except for I believe the from four to five K. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the, a matter of like now she's more experienced, she's she's more fit. And she obviously was the fittest person in the field there. And she ran 1855 for 6K. I believe that was a championship record. And again, I think, I mean, me and all the other you know media people and photographers that were kind of sitting there at the finish line were like, just kind of like, wow, like this is crazy. I mean, taking down a loaded field like that was really impressive. Yeah, we're not surprised at all by the race strategy. It was kind no. of given. But I think for me, what was scary is like kind of what you said halfway through. And I was like, I don't think she's getting caught now. Like there's, no. it's going to take her literally tripping on something, falling, <laughs> or someone's going to misjudge how far they are from the finish and start sprinting to somewhat like close yeah. this gap. It was just so mind blowing to witness that. And I was expecting similar race strategies from what we saw last year, but it just never happened. No one was able to respond. I, I know toward the end, uh, toward the finish, uh, Doris from Alabama was starting to make some, you know, close in that gap a little bit. But by that point, it was too much. As you mentioned, 1855 for Valby, Doris from Alabama, 1905, and then Olivia from Notre Dame, 1910 for that victory. And I think also kind of switching gears to the team race on the meet with Saturday. On Friday, I think that's when the news officially broke out that Kelsey Kimmel was not running. All of a sudden, I'm looking and she's on crutches. She's with the team. And in the back of my mind, I'm just like, I don't think this is happening anymore. Like here you have one of your star players for this squad not competing. But I was like, I'm still sticking with my... State. I'm still thinking with my FC State, but it did cross my mind that I didn't think they were going to pull it off. What did you think when you saw Kelsey there and then when Coach Hennis kind of like verbally said it at the press conference that like, hey, she's not competing, but she's here and she's like the mold and the heart of this program? 
I'll be honest, I felt much more confident in my NAU pick after <laughs> the announcement, you know, unfortunate. Like, you never want to hear someone of that caliber, or really anyone, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, having to deal with an injury and not be able to compete at NCAAs. And, you know, this is her final year. This is her senior year, I believe. Or I think she's a grad graduate student, actually. Um, so this was her last chance. And, you know, unfortunately, she just wasn't healthy. I believe it was a lower leg injury. Um, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't healthy enough to compete. That's what coach Lori Hennis said at the press conference. And, you know, it's not just that she is a star on that team. Like she's a star in the NCAA. I believe she's a 13 time all American. She was third at this meet last year. Like she is someone that would have been most likely on that podium within that top five, at least make, you know, even challenging for a win there. So having that, you know, dealt, having that blow dealt to you, like that's, that's crazy. And so I really was like, it's going to take something special for, for NC State to win this. But, I mean, that's what we witnessed, right? I mean, yeah. we witnessed something special. One point. Took one, one point. point. 123 one. to 124. It literally took one point to just hit the iceberg over NAU. I was quite impressed with NC State. And I know, like I said, we have awards to give out, so I'm not going to give out too much info about my thought process with this. But I'm very, very, very impressed with how NC State showed up, did what they needed. It didn't, like, having Kelsey not being on that squad, yes, they it did impact them. But at the end of the day, I think there was more emotion now toward winning this title. You go into it thinking, hey, I want to defend my title, but now it's almost like, we're doing this for Kelsey. And it was very it was yeah. very clear to me, especially with Coach Hennis saying, these girls are probably probably going to run for, for Kelsey. Every single individual for the Wolfpack stepped up. Caitlin Tui finishing fifth, 18, 21, 31, 48, and it got the job done. Um, so I was really impressed by NC State. Um, of course, this course was tough. There was rolling hills. You and I, we... Pretty much walked the course on Friday, and I'm like, yeah. gosh, I'm having to like sprint <laughs> down the hill. I'm having to power up my arms going up yep. the hill. I think the biggest shock for me at the whole entire meet was the BYU woman. And I mentioned going into this race, I'm a huge fan of BYU. Uh, Coach Taylor, I follow her on Instagram, made a post uh, later in the day. And when you just look at the individuals that lined up, it was that last 1K, Ashley. The last 1K really hurt the BYU women, and they all seemed to drop. But what I can say by this, and if you read Coach Taylor's post, that this team is tough. And I 100 gazillion percent believe that this team is tough. They're strong, and they're going to come back stronger than ever. And as Coach Taylor said in her post, they're waiting for that butterfly moment. Um, and I think that shows... BYU's not done. Like, yes, there was a huge hiccup. They didn't get the result that they wanted. They ended up finishing, where they finished? BYU, 14th, 14, 14th overall. Not something that we expected. Because I remember watching the race, and the girls were up, the women were up there. I was like, okay, BYU, at one point, I think they were leading um, the whole entire championship. But, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed with just how they're coming together as a squad. I think that's so important. So I would not count out BYU. Is there anything you would like to add? Because th that's just my personal feeling about this. It, it was tough there, to see. Yeah, I agree. That was, you know, I feel like, you know, some there was plenty of unexpected that happened at this meet. That was one of them. 
Um, you know, I feel like you could go on and on about the list of unexpected, but it is the NCAA championships. Anything can happen. And, um, you know, a lot of emotion involved in that as well. So um, I would agree there. Can I go back to the NC State thing real quick? I do yes. have some observations. Can, yes. I, can I look at some observations? We can maneuver back, of course. Okay, okay. Well, maneuver back. Because um, I was so, you know, I was at the finish. And, you know, as the scores are coming in, I'm like, you know, I'm by the shoot where all the like NC State athletes are. And then all of a sudden you see on the screen that NC State is ahead by one point over NAU. And when I tell you that I've never seen some, like it's a scene more emotional mm. than that at a cross country race. I mean, it was crazy. Like I was probably two feet from Caitlin too. It's like all of a sudden she bursts out into tears and she goes to find coach Hennis and she, they hugged for probably three minutes and she collapsed to the ground. Like it, it was just very obvious that this this NC State squad's really, really, really close. They run for each other. You know, mm -hmm. even with someone like Caitlin Tui, who has been a star, I mean, she has NCAA records to her name. She was running for her team. It didn't matter that she got fifth. I believe, you know, I think Coach Hannah said afterwards she, was, she had been sick that week and knew that maybe it wouldn't be her day to win, but that she was going to run her best for the team. And I think that was very apparent there. Um, I think that's almost, in my mind, it's like, for me, it's a it's a moment where Caitlin Tui may not be remembered for that performance, but in my mind, she should be because I feel yeah. like this is one of her best performances of her of her career, just because of how she persevered and like helped to lead that team, even without one of their other leaders, Kelsey Camille. Um, maybe you can compare it <laughs> to the Michael Jordan flu game, but if she really was that sick. But those are my other observations. Even with the odds stacked against them, they showed out. And yes. You, you said it, you hit it right on the nail. Like, this team is very close, and it's very obvious that they run for each other. And I, I'm just super excited to see what the future looks for the Wolfpack. Now, yes. I think we should switch gears to the men's race because this got really interesting. This was interesting. <laughs> I agree. Very as, we, interesting. as Ashley and I have mentioned, like, my one pick was battling out the last 1K, her 1B pick was right there there was no clear win there was no clear favorite going yeah. into this race there was a lot of back and forth but it was yeah. very obvious grand blinks was in the mix uh just okay state doing it doing their thing had all their players up there kai robinson was in the mix nico young was in the mix drew bosley was there hopton samuel who ashley had picking as her 1b pick was everyone that we expected to be there was there and there was just a lot of moving around actually again from your perspective because again you were running all over the course break it down for us and what did you notice throughout this 10k race yeah you know i think you kind of hit it on the nose like especially on the the individual side there was no real clear guy that like we all thought was going to win and, you know i think grand blanks maybe was like the, the popular pick because he's been undefeated all season and has looked really strong and he ends up winning this race but if you're if you're looking at how this race played out right it went out you know as you would expect pretty conservatively you have all these guys still up there in that pack because i remembered seeing them do loop after loop after loop and as slowly as the race developed you would see guys you know begin to dwindle begin to drop you know like the the pack at the front slowly began to dwindle as the race would go on which is what you would expect but i mean you had all those guys there that you would expect you had the grand blanks you had nico young you had drew bosley you had kai robinson you had Hapton samuel of new mexico you had the oklahoma state guys so you had all those guys up there 
And if you if you look at how the race played out at the end, it was just a matter of who had, I think Graham Blank said it in his post-race interview, it's like who had the, that, the most heart at the end of the race and had that kind of final gear. And it, it dwindled down to Graham Blank's and Habtip Samuel of New Mexico. And, you know, that's exactly what Graham Blank's did. He was able to pull away. He had more left in the tank and became the first Ivy League male individual champion at NCAA championships, which was pretty impressive. So it was definitely entertaining, I think, to say the least. <laughs> Very entertaining. I agree. I'm looking at, like, the splits, too, of this, of the race, right? Like, Graham Blake's yeah. was, like, at the top. He never yeah. officially, like, surged until, like, he, he was kind of hovering fourth and fifth place through 4K and 5K. Um, and then even 6K, he, where is he? He dropped to 12th, 7th, 7K, he's fourth, 8K, he's second. And then, of course, that's when the race started doing its thing. I, I got really <laughs> nervous because I was like, where's my guy Graham? Where is he? And then he just slowly creeped his way up. But it's interesting because even in his post-race interview, he said he didn't run this the smartest way. He was, like, making surges, and then the, the rest of the pack would keep up. Um, yeah, but, he said, exactly. Can I, can I quote him? Yeah, he said, I ran him. like a dumbass. He said, I ran like a dumbass. And he even said it on live television on ESPN, I believe. So that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty funny. I was cracking up. And he was just like, I just kept moving back and forth. But... It was very evident, and you can even hear it in the commentary, too, that when he hit that 1K mark, Carrie was just like, if you're going to go, you got to go. Because Samuel yeah. was still there, still trying to hang on, but Graham just had a little bit more left in the take, and then everybody else just started dropping. And I felt like, honestly, he felt like he ran like a dumbass, but it was like, I felt like he couldn't have scripted this any better. Like, you allowed everybody to do the work up front, and then those hills just kept going, and it, it was very obvious. A lot of people were feeling the rolling hills, and you even said it yep. on Friday that this is not a pancake course. It does have those rolling hills in it, and he was just able to just go. And then on top of yep. that, just kind of shifting into the, the men's race too, and I know we just had Coach Smith join us. They told, like, at the press conference, he literally predicted 75 points to win this. Yep. And all of a sudden, yep. here you are. 49 points to grab this victory over NAU who grabbed 71, but they had all of their top runners, like, oh, like in I the mean, top 15. Impressive. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want like a, a great example of how to, as Coach Smith said, A, be able to move up through a race, you know, progress very well and pass other runners, and B, learn how to pack run and work together as a team at like a national caliber meet, that's a, a textbook example right there. I mean, they put five in the top 15, yep. scored just 49 points, and they took down the three-time defending champions by, I mean, almost 30 points. I mean, come on, that's just, that's insane. You know, I, th I think, you know, there was this kind of, I, I know you and I and Corey were talking about this, like going in. Oklahoma State was one of those where it's like, sure, we saw that they dominated almost perfect scored at the Midwest Regional, you know, they won Big 12s very well as well. But I think we were still unsure of what to expect just because not all their guys had raced so much this season, which obviously that's part of it. That, that's what works well for them after talking with Coach Smith. But I think we just weren't entirely sure yet what to expect because they hadn't matched up with NAU yet this season. 
And so they go in though, and they, they take care of business. No tiebreaker, no tiebreaker needed no tiebreaker. this year. And I think it's just, they have a really solid squad and kudos too to their international pickups and Dennis and Brian, they've been sensational all season. And they were their top two runners here. And you know they were leading the race at one point too. So um, lots of underclassmen as well, like I mentioned earlier. So I think if everyone sticks around and stays healthy, I think they'll be really, really dominant for many years to come. This was the pick I did not get right. I had NAU winning this. We both got so, again three wrong. for four. Um, but what I was going to say was, I the only reason why I didn't pick OK State is because I felt like I didn't see much evidence. Yes, I didn't see much evidence that they could handle this pressure of going to an NCAA championships. You ran the jamboree. You ran at Big Twelves. You ran the regional meet, and then you ran at NCAA. So that's four races. And I'm not saying you have to run every weekend because at the end of the yeah. day, distance runners, they're running literally year round. So by the time one season ends, they're going into another one. But I just didn't see it at first. And then I think we were in line to get on the shuttle to go to the race. And someone came up to us and was like, I bet you four of their top runners are going to be in the top 15. I looked at him like, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no <laughs> yeah. way. But that guy was right. I didn't know who he was. Right. I don't know if he was a parent. It wasn't, it, it was not Coach Smith. I don't, I don't know if you remember. I, I do remember. Know. I don't remember who it was. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was a parent, fan, but whatever. Correct. So kudos. Shout out kudos. to you, whoever came up to us and said that. Because I didn't cool. believe it. I didn't believe it. Yeah. But I think what's even more mind-blowing to me, and I know we talked about they talked about this at the press conference. I keep going back to the press conference about the 70-point thing. NAU scored 71 points, which would have been enough in a normal, I feel like in a normal NCAA championships when you don't have all your, your competitors in the top 15. NAU finished 5th, 6th, 18th, 20th, and 22nd. They still did a fan. I want to give kudos to NAU as well. And I know Nico Young, when he was going through the mix zone, said, we, we put our best foot forward. And... You know, they even thought 70 points was going to be enough. And yep. OK State just, like, did what they needed to do, which was crazy. Exactly. Exactly. It was crazy. crazy. All around the, the meet, again, like I said, lots of unexpected. <laughs> so much unexpected things were going on. I just, I honestly couldn't believe it. You know? So Yeah. So much was happening. So much was mm -hmm. happening. All right, Ashley, let's switch gears because I feel like it's part of that time of the year where we have to give out the end of the season awards. So this is what I'm okay. pumped for. So let's, we have four categories. Category number one is the most improved. Let's start there. Who do you have as your most improved athlete of the year? Sure. Yeah, I'll go here and I'm going to pick a guy from Syracuse. You know, the Syracuse men's team has been really good this whole season and I got to give it to Perry McKinnon. He was previously at Cornell last year and in 2022, so looking at his progression, in 2022, he placed 124th at NCAAs. On Saturday, he finished 19th overall to lead Syracuse and clocked a new 10K PR of 29.30. And he was, if you're looking at his season as a whole, he was fourth at the Northeast Regional fifth at ACC's, 19th at Nettycomb, and he also logged a 23-15 AKPR earlier this season. So it's been a big year for Perry. Kudos to him. And, you know, looking at some of those top guys that... 
All right, while we wait for Ashley to get back, I'm going to take my, my stab at this as my top pick. I was very, very impressed with the sophomore from Arkansas, Sydney Thrivaltson. I've been a huge fan of her since she was competing at the high school level. She had top finishes throughout the course of the season. And what's even remarkable, if you think about what she did last year, she was 113th at the NCAAs. She went she went from running 20 minutes 6Ks last year to finishing the year in Virginia with a new 6K personal best of 1933. And she's clocked three sub 20 minute 6K performances and led the Razorbacks to a ninth place finish. So just thinking about what she has done and this is only the beginning for her. She's only a sophomore. I'm just looking forward to seeing what Sydney does. But now we have Ashley back. Welcome back, Ashley. Yes, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Where did I cut off? Where did I cut off? <laughs> um, I'm not even quite sure where you cut off. Oh. You were oh. just really, really excited about Perry. You were like, he's the guy. I am very excited. Did I say that? So he finished 124th last year NCAAs? I think I remember you saying that, yes. Okay, we'll, we'll now start he there. Finished. Okay, 19th this year. Let's hope I don't um cut out again i should tell my dad to get off the wi-fi here in the house um he was fourth at the northeast regional fifth at accs 19th at eddycomb and also logged to 2315 kpr this season so it's a big year for him one of the most improved um among the all-americans perfect and i picked i don't know if you heard me but sydney thrivalson is my most improved athlete she's just been doing great things for the razorbacks let's talk about our moach excuse me most clutch performer. So this is someone that's not quite maybe MVP level, but it's someone that you're like, dang, this person knows how to handle their business when it when the time is right. So Ashley, who do you have as your most clutch performer of the year? Well, I got to go with a member of the Wolfpack, obviously, <laughs> just based on how she performs at NCAAs. And I have to go with Samantha Bush, again, of NC State. Going into 1K to go, so at the 5K mark, she was sitting in 42nd place at NCAAs. And obviously, team title on the line. She's, you know, been a consistent team player for the, the Wolfpack over the few years, but she was sitting outside of that All-American, um, you know, designation. She would end up passing 14 girls, 14 girls of the final kilometer to finish 28th overall. And to me, that's clutch, you know? Like, if you if she doesn't move up 14 places, NC State does not win here, right? And I think too, you know, that there's something I think when you're when you're a clutch performer, you also have heart and grit and running for your team. And obviously, you know, if you're in 42nd, maybe you stay content. You're, you've fallen back a bit. Maybe you stay content where you are. But that's not how NC State operates. And so I think you know, Sam Bush showed how she's just an experienced veteran at the collegiate level, and she ran like a veteran those closing minutes of the race. Yeah. So for my clutch performer of the year, you mentioned veteran, and that's the first word I think I would describe my individual. I'm going with Olivia Markovich from Notre Dame. I was super impressed by her performance over the weekend. She's coming off of the steeplechase title from uh, from from last year. And I feel like also, besides veteran, I'm naming her a gamer. Like, since <laughs> she was a sophomore, she's just been finishing in the top 11 at NCAAs. Talk about being consistent. And mm -hmm. I had a chance to talk with her after she crossed the finish line when she went through the mix zone. And she told me that at certain points of her races, there's just something mentally where her brain is just, it, it like, she just drops off. Like, I don't know if it's lack of confidence. I don't know if she just, just physicality, like, is not there. But she told me that she's like, this time I was not going to drop off. 
She was going to stick with the race plan and she was going to fight through it all the way to the end. And she did. And she never dropped past sixth place throughout the course of that race. So as a result, she added another All-American performance to her name. This was her best finish yet, finishing third at NCAAs and led the Fighting Irish to a fourth place team finish overall. That just shows true grit, determination, battling against the odds. So that is why I have Miss Olivia as my pick for the Kutch Performer of the Year. Let's move to MVP. Oh, I'm oh, I'm just now reading your MVP pick here. <laughs> How awesome! I'm reading it, I know I couldn't. <laughs> I like kind of wanted to try to be creative with this one, but I couldn't be creative. I couldn't. I just had a clear winner. You had a clear winner, and that's okay. I I support this. I support okay. this pick. Go ahead, Ashley. Why don't you debrief us on your MVP? <laughs> All right, I can't not pick the NCAA champion, Graham Blanks. <laughs> All right, Ashley, I really need for her to tell her dad to get off the Wi-Fi right now. But as we can see, she picked Graham Blanks of Harvard. And I'm not surprised. I vote for Graham Blanks. I picked him as my pick. All right, we have Ashley back. Go ahead, Ashley. You cut off as soon as you start talking. <laughs> And we lost her again, which is totally cool. Okay, let's go to me first. Let's talk about my pick, because it's not someone from, from uh, Harvard. I went with Amarius from NC State. We have a lot of NC State uh, picks here. Amarius, I'm just, I'm super proud of what she accomplished. She told us after her race that she caught a cramp and did not finish um, earlier in the season regionals didn't have her, her best performance either she told us she was not mentally there despite everything that happened with the the news on friday just how the odds were stacked against nc state she wasn't even sure if she was going to race at nationals just based off of the the series is a series of events that led to everything that happened this season her team was counting on her this weekend she stayed in the mix and as a result, she finished as an All-American finish and was a key to helping the Wolfpack earn their 3P. And I'm just super impressed with how she ran. It was just like she finished 25th overall, senior season. I, I know that was the icing on the cake. And if you watch the reel that was shared on our social media, like she is jumping for joy. Her team is rooting for her. And just like giving her a round of applause just for her effort, she put it together when it mattered most. And so that is why I have MVP award going to Amarius from NC State. Okay, we have Ashley back now. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's raining here. Maybe it'll rain. I don't know why the rain would mess with it. I mean, it's a Wi-Fi box in the house. But okay, right. did you explain Grand Blanks for me? I hope you did. I did not explain, explain Grand oh. Blanks. I was just like, he was my pick anyway. But. Oh, well, anyways, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain briefly. First okay. ever male Ivy League NCAA champion, and I think that adds to his story here. And then if you're looking at the rest of the season, he was undefeated. He won Nutty Comb, won the, the Ivy League you know, meet as well. And if you're, I think what makes the story even greater in my mind is that, you know, he just kind of came from a, a background just like everyone else. You know, he has an interesting story. He 
went to high school in Georgia. He finished, um, he didn't make it to Nike, you know, cross nationals, for instance, until his final year of high school. And he finished uh, top 30 there, close to close to 30th place. And then once he graduates from high school, he takes a gap year because COVID hits and he's like, you know what, I'm going to take a gap year, save my eligibility at Harvard and get back into it once COVID passes. And I think that really helped him. And, you know, obviously he's been on that great, you know, development trajectory. So, and yes, he is, that is the MVP in my mind. I love it. I'm not going to argue with you there. I, I think that's a wonderful pick as well. All right. Our last end of the season award. You got to recognize the coaches. I, and I told this to coach, coach uh, Dave Smith too. And also um, coach Ricardo as well. And coach JJ Clark too of Stanford. I was like, yes, these individuals in your team are showing up, but there's a lot that goes behind the scenes, especially when it comes to coaches. And they have to pour a lot of energy and effort mentally, making sure that their programs are set correctly, that they're peaking at the right time. It's a whole thing. So we want to give some recognition to our coaches of the year. Ashley, I'm going to toss it off to you first. Who is your coach of the year for cross country? If I'm looking at the coach of the year here, I think I got to go with Chris Miltenberg out at UNC, specifically when we're looking at this men's program, right? Um, our, our colleague, Corey Mull, did a story, or, a story earlier this season about UNC and their program because they've gone through some, some you know, great hardships on that team going into the season. A couple of members of their, their top seven squad got in a car accident and almost died, um, you know, leading into the season. And... You know, when you lose two of your top guys like that, it's it's kind of you got to regroup. You got to help lead a group and, um, you know, keep everyone focused while also, you know, trying to grow together as a team. And I think that's what Chris Milmer did really well. And if you're looking at what UNC did this season, it's pretty incredible. They they won their first ACC championship since, I believe, 1980. So think about that, like over 40 years um, and they would go on to win the, the NCAA Southeast Regional title and finish six at NCAAs. And if you look at that squad that he's built this year, too, you have Parker Wolf, who's always been very consistent for them. He finished, I believe, ninth at NCAAs. And then um, there's, their second guy there was Alex Phillips, who's he's a D3 transfer. So that's a great pickup there, um, thanks to Miltonberg. And he got 17th overall. So uh, if you're looking at how to lead a squad even you know when you're you're presented with some obstacles, I think that's the way you you know you do it, and that's what Chris Miltenberg did at UNC this year. I completely agree, and the, the, what UNC has gone through this year, I can't even imagine. Like the news is so heartbreaking, but I'm happy to hear like they're they're getting healthier, they're getting stronger, but also Coach Miltenberg has just been there every step of the way to ensure that his athletes are are well, safe, and all the things. So I agree totally with that pick. I love that pick. We've been having a lot of NC State talk, and I'm just <laughs> going to continue with the NC State talk. I know I mentioned in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper once I got to this part of our show. My coach of the year is Lori Hennis. And for obvious, very clear reasons, as we've been talking throughout the course of the show, what NC State did this weekend was remarkable. Um, the ladies stepped up despite all the challenges that they faced literally moments before they towed the line shows the love, the passion that these individuals have. So Lori Hennis is my coach of the year. And to me, it just speaks volumes on this program and the type of coach 
that Coach Hennis is. She led with passion. She led with love for the Wolfpack. This team is very, very connected. She's an example of a true leader. She has stood by this team through the highs, through the lows. And at the end of the day, they come up as national champions. So I've already sprinkled this throughout the show, but I'm dropping the huge mic drop here for this moment. Coach Lori Hennis is my coach of the year. So those are all the end of the season awards. I cannot believe we're done with cross country, like at the collegiate side. It's, that is it's kind of crazy. Wild. It's, like, wild. How are we, it's wild. How am I supposed to shift my brain to indoor now? I know. It's just, it's incredible to even think about. However, for Ashley and I, we're still not done with cross country. We have NXN next week, Foot Locker's coming up, running lane championships for the high school runners are kicking off. So we still have a couple more, uh, still have a couple more cross country events going on at the high school level, but for the collegiate level, yeah, we're shifting gears and we're talking indoor. Before we wrap up this show though, we have some track news. Some we do. Sprint, well, not sprint news, jump news. Coming off the press. <laughs> Randall Cunningham is going to be joining Carmelita Jenner at UNLV as the assistant jump coach. Literally, as I am walking into our studio, uh, Corey Mall, our colleague, we keep dropping Corey's name throughout the show today. Uh, he got off the phone uh, with Coach Cunningham. He's been in the NFL for 16 years. He is the father of Vashti Cunningham, as we all know and love, just the, one of the best high jumpers in the country. And when he heard that Carmelita Jetter was the head coach, he, he was quite overwhelmed by this. They've been friends. He's, he's watched Carmelita Jetter compete. He's a fan of hers as well. And his ultimate goal is to help jumpers in America get to the Olympics and also the next level. So I'm quite excited for the latest news here. Ashley, what are your thoughts? Interesting. I didn't expect to, that to be on my, my timeline today, just seeing Randall Cunningham now coaching at UNLV. I mean, okay, cool. You have a, uh, it's like a, an NFL veteran turned turned assistant track coach here. It's, I it's love interesting. It. I love yeah. it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, now I'm just, so I, I think you, we got some notes, like clarify here. So is Vashti, so he's still, she's still going to train with him, right? And like still be with him. Is that correct? I like assume so. I'm going to okay. assume that's a huge assumption. Yeah. So don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I would assume so, right? I think it's safe yeah, to say. I would assume so. Unless yeah. there's some I mean, major news. It's her dad. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. stick with what works, right? Like you don't. Personally, I'm like, I deviate. yeah, don't change something if it's not broken is how, is how I look at it. Well, Ashley, it's been a pleasure seeing you remotely. Sad that you're not yeah. here in your normal spot. It feels so weird being yeah. in the studio by myself. Uh, one week from today. One week from today. One week from today. It's going to be great. So as, of course, I want to wish all of our fans, subscribers, YouTube friends, family out there, a happy Thanksgiving. Ashley, oh, and Ashley's birthday is on Thanksgiving. So happy early birthday to Ashley, since I yeah, will not see it. you on your birthday. Are you doing anything special for Thanksgiving? Do you have like, didn't you say you like, well, what do you do when your birthday falls on Thanksgiving? What does that look like for you? It's basically the same. You just celebrate Thanksgiving, but you also have cake and along with the pies. So 
sing happy birthday. But so yeah, nothing too crazy. However, I am running a turkey trot. So stay That's tuned. That's right. We'll okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, throw this out on Ashley. She has the, is it the meat record or the course record at your- The female course record in my little neighborhood turkey trot. <laughs> the fact that they keep course records to me is so funny to me, so. It's hilarious. We'll see. I don't think I'm gonna break this year because I'm not in the same shape as I was a year ago, but we'll see. You'll see. Hey, have fun out there on the turkey trots and, you know, eat yes. all the great food, the pies, the cakes, everything. So you guys, thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, family. Also stick to FlowTrack for all of your content and news around, I guess, a little bit of cross country with high schoolers and as we move into indoor. So Ashley, happy Thanksgiving to you and we will see Thank you guys you. next week.